Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. Okay, welcome, Alan. Oh, no, that's what my sheet said. <laughs> <laughs> now it's directing me to do the welcome, right? Hey, thought we'd start that with a little humor. I thought the girls would get a kick out of that, because that's what our sheet says. Welcome, Alan. Uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, episode number 141 of the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast that is created by seekers and for seekers. And if you're listening to it, you're probably a seeker. And we want to give shout outs today to Esther and Supernova. We are so glad to have you guys listening. All right. And our quote is from Shannon Alder. I am convinced that the jealous, the angry, the bitter, and the egotistical are the first to race to the top of mountains. A confident person enjoys the journey, the people they meet along the way, and sees life not as a competition. They reach the summit last because they know God isn't at the top waiting for them. He is down below helping his followers to understand that the view is glorious wherever you stand. Wow. I like that. Really goes with her. Really goes with her topic today. I think she reads them first and then goes and well, finds I, a quote. Well, of course. She probably <laughs> does. Yeah. Uh, today, I thought we might discuss competition. And I think we'll all agree that from a very early age, we're taught to compete. Our parents unwittingly start the process themselves, even before we're aware that they're that we're in a competition. Uh, our baby crawls, walks, talks, is weaned and potty trained, all at a younger age than, say, this other person's child over here, a friend that has a baby of the same age. And this is only the beginning. I mean, did you ever think of this before I brought this topic up, that how we use, again— Almost like fear and guilt, we use competition. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I hate competition. I always have. I've never, and I I try to steer away from it. So I've I've seen a lot of this, but it's because I've been thrust into competitions with other people. And even not like, not in like games and stuff, but just why can't you be more like, why can't you act like this person? Why can't? And even in the church, yeah, constantly yeah. comparing. And I can, why can't you be more like? We can be like the Apostle Paul. Why can't you be like Moses? Why can't you be a Moses? Be a Jeremiah. Be a. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And there are those constant. You know, the we don't always refer to it as competition. Sometimes we call it things like the one uppers. No matter what you do, they've got to one up you just yeah. a little bit. And that's saying something about their psychological, spiritual, is. emotional state, isn't it? Uh, well, then, as a child, we enter the academic age, and, you know, we're talking about school. If you think about it, 
Then the pressure begins to transition into serious competition. Not even, not you know, we're not even speaking to the sports yet. We'll just make a mention of those because that's what's everybody's on mind. We think of uh-huh. competition. That's the first place we go. Well, it's no, it's everything. You're all of this pressure as a young child. You're 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 being pressured to compete and excel. Mm-hmm. Yes. At whatever you do, <clears throat> think about the grading system our education system uses. I mentioned this to a teacher here a while back, and they said I've never really even considered that but here's here's my statement think about the grading system of our education system uses we tell ourselves its purpose is to gauge how each child is developing academically but the truth is each child is gauged against the best performer yes that's the a student your brother jimmy made straight a's in that class last year why are you making c's and standardized tests did you ever think of that your child scored in the 98th percentile in math Mm-hmm. This child scored in the 43rd percentile in yeah. math. Then that's Is that not that anything but pure emotional competition? It is. Because let me tell you as someone who did score fairly high on my SATs, when I would get my math back and it would be much lower than all of my other scores, that was really painful because it was like, well, I'm just too dumb to do math. Well, and I can tell you, I I always made good grades. We were looking through old photos and just keepsakes last night and have all the awards I won at school and all of this stuff. So when my kids started, we homeschooled. And when we started, I mean, you guys know what a tough road it was with Blake. (laughs) And he went and took his first SAT test. And I just expected him because he's a smart kid. I expected him (laughs) to just, just, you know, off the charts. Great. He did horribly <laughs> and I cried and I boohooed and I realized that I was basing his intelligence on this test that did not matter at all because I knew how smart my kid okay. was. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But see, see how that even mm-hmm. makes us look at our children differently, treat them differently mm-hmm. because of this competition. And of course, we know <laughs> the pressure of competition increases when we enter the sports circle. We even call it competitive competitive sports have you ever heard anybody say oh that's so healthy they need to be in those sports they need those sports they need that competition they need that competition so they'll excel in life no there's only one going to walk out of there with the highest award right yeah on the ball team there's going to be one most valuable player and then eventually they're going to lose to someone of course better and how hard is that going to be if you've been the most valuable player all through high school i've seen this happen and they get into college and there's Hundred people in there uh-huh. competing that's better than that. And then all of a sudden, we can think just a little bit locally. You don't have to think too far down the road to a young man that they, his parents were sure he was going to get some kind of scholarship yeah. because he was so mm-hmm. good at our little our little hometown team. Mm-hmm. And when he come up to the college level, didn't make it. Yep. No cut. Don't make the cut. Um, but aside from the competitive sports because even christians defend oh that's so good for them they need that they need that i'm so glad he's doing that that's okay but that's enough of that (laughs) it continues all through our life the college we attend the career we choose the position we hold at our job the car we drive the house we live in the mate we choose then the circle starts all over when we have children this sounds a little gloomy but does this fairly represent the pressure of competition that we live in which uh, we live our entire well, lives. What's the first thing you ask when you see someone you haven't seen in years? How are you doing? Are you married? Where are you living at? What kind of work you do? What are you now? doing these days? That's usually the first. Yeah. What are you mm-hmm. doing now? And someone will sheepishly say, "Well, I'm, I'm disabled." I, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. 
well, I, I haven't been able to work for a while. I've been, you know, and like it's that's something to be ashamed of. But see the competitive mm-hmm. mindset exactly. that we have. It continues with retirement. And we even compete in death. This one made me laugh because I didn't realize how how much competitive I mean, how true even it is. death. Yeah, yes. and, and I'm not talking about how quick we can get there. No, <laughs> we compete in death, and that's the biggest turn. You know, we say things like at a funeral. That's the biggest turnout I've mm-hmm. ever seen at a funeral. Did you see that casket? Yeah. Take a look at that headstone. It's bigger than any in the cemetery. The question is, what drives our obsession with competing against everyone else in every facet of life, even in death? Did it begin with our parents' ego, and it did, did it develop into our egotistical uh, pursuits? Well, our ego wants us to be seen and accepted and remembered. We want to be remembered, and I think that's why it continues all the way even to death, because you want that big monument you want in 150 years, people to walk up to the cemetery and go, ooh, let's see what's on that headstone. <laughs> Can we think of any area of life where we don't feel pressured or compelled to compete? Any area of life where we aren't comparing our performance with another, whether it's parent, whether it's cooking? I don't, but that's because I have made it my mission to not compete in anything. Yeah. I mean, I've had to. Well, me too, but, I, but I'm kind of <laughs> doing this, you know, not just necessarily for us, but we still, it's hard to just completely throw off that competitive. The only thing I could think of where there's really no competition is when, like, I'm sitting and reading a book. Because even when I'm cooking, there's always those things in the back of my head that's like, well, this one time I had so-and-so's meatloaf and their meatloaf was probably better than my meatloaf. Mine never tastes quite like theirs does. But when I'm just sitting and lost in the world of a book, nothing else, you know, there's no who's reading it faster than me or (laughs) anything like that. That's good. Even in our spiritual pursuits, more expressively in organized religion, is organized religion driven by competition? Oh my goodness. How big is the building? How many did you have in attendance? How many were baptized? What kind of big event did your church put on this year? I mean, it's it never ends. Well, pastors, get together. Uh, how's the <laughs> church doing, and what's the answer? We had X amount of people in church on Sunday. There you go. Yeah. We had this many specials that were saying. Mm-hmm. We had a special guest speaker from California that came, yeah. and uh-huh. the house was full. You see? Now for the bigger question, how does this whole competitive lifestyle that is forced upon us as far back as our earliest childhood uh, memory, how does it affect us? Especially if we don't happen to be in that 5% of the population that is fortunate enough to have the looks, the brains, the social standing, the money, the physical ability, and all the other things it takes to be gauged by society as winners. Man. I mean, it just that I is what we're that is what we're talking about, isn't it? Winners and losers. Back, yeah, and that goes back. You lose, you're a loser. So that goes back into you start feeling that guilt, that shame, and then you go back. It's a never-ending cycle. Yeah, and it's it funny because stops. even reading this, it completely went back to you start thinking about. Wow, I remember my first like kind of real-world losses of things. You know, mm-hmm. I can remember like the first boyfriend that dumped me for somebody else, and then like my brain went all the way back to first grade. And 
dad had helped me, dad and mom had helped me study for this spelling bee thing that we were having at school. And I was like so pumped and I was so ready. And the teacher wrote, or the teacher said this word and we had to write them on the board. The word was supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> and only one girl in our class got it. And I was so mad because I'm like, that's cheating. That wasn't even on the list of words. Uh. Well, I think Blake here a while back was invited to, he sings and plays the guitar. Yes. And he was, he was asked to be in a talent show where you're mm-hmm. competing. And he thought about it and he just told me, he said, Mom, I don't want to do it. And I was ecstatic because, and I told him, I said, that's fine. I said, why? And he said, I just, he said, I really enjoy singing and playing my guitar. And he said, I don't want anything to ruin that. And I think it was, he was in his mind, he was a little bit afraid. Well, what if I go and perform and someone else is better? Am I going to start? And maybe knowing Blake, maybe he was, I think he's smart enough that he thought about what if I go and perform and I am the best? Is that going to discourage all the other people? that? Because he even had one of the judges, I'm going to go ahead and say, one of the judges said, well, I know you can win. Yeah. And and he indicated to me that felt like a setup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he told me too, he's like, I don't want that person who maybe rhythm doesn't come as easily to them or they're still learning chords and things like that that I already know to feel like they should just put their guitar down but you know and that may make that may make me a bad mom but I've always been very realistic with my kids that it's I would love to see my son famous for music that would be amazing but the reality is very few make it. And I always tell my kids. And, and some of them that do, do make it pay a very big price. Yes. yes. And it's not just that. I mean, I just want my kids to understand. There, unfortunately, is probably going to be someone better out there or at least perceived better in someone's eyes. You know, sure. you're just you're in the competitive circle. Yes. They're going to be judged better. Yes. They're going to be judged better. <clears throat> Well, speaking to about 95% of us, all of us sitting around this table, how does it feel to constantly be measured and gauged in a competition we never asked to be entered into and to be constantly impressed upon to better our game uh, by being more like that 5% that most of us don't even want to be, yet society pressures us to be just that? This is something that I struggled with as a kid I had I had somebody in my life that was consistently telling me I needed to be more like yes her girls I needed to wear the makeup I needed to wear the dresses why couldn't I I'm a tomboy in a lot of ways as far as I'm very low maintenance and for a long time I felt that there was something lacking in me because I didn't have that desire I didn't want to spend two hours fixing my hair and putting a face on it just was not who I am so, I mean, it, and I felt like for a long time that it pushed you because you do occasionally want to put makeup on or dress up or do whatever. And I feel like for a lot of years, it pushed you really far the other way where you didn't even want to do it when you might have felt like it. and say, I'm yeah. not doing it at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not really acceptable either. But, you know, Walmart a couple of years ago, and I will never forget this because I didn't stay out very long. They released these t-shirts that were like exercise for like going out and working out, Mm -hmm. workout clothes. Um, The slogan on the shirt said, your best is never good enough. Hmm. And they didn't stay out very long. Did they buy those from a church? (laughs) You know, the concept behind the shirts was supposed to be like, make yourself... You're terrible. Oh, man. Well, I'm, we true, just talked true. about that. In the, That's a fundraising idea. 
<laughs> you know, the idea was supposed to be make yourself a little bit better every day, but well, why I not mean, use that word? Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, your best is never good enough. My mom, I didn't even know about them until my mom sent me a picture of one of them. And she's like, please tell me that I'm missing something in this shirt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, no, that's. Is it likely? Well, well, don't we tend to measure by the same scale? Uh, don't we all tend to measure by the same scale? Uh, is this what the master was speaking to when he said, whatever scale you use to judge others, it's the scale that you'll use to measure yourself by mm-hmm. I think and that do. others will use to measure you by yeah so see it's a it's a vicious circle isn't it, is. it it's a vicious vicious circle that it, it takes mindset to escape this because this competitive thing is so deeply ingrained in us from earliest childhood I didn't realize that that brought a lot of my misery in my life that I was trying to compete against someone about something for someone's approval. Yeah. Them? Were I, you in a competition with them? Them, I guess. Yeah. And that, I guess that turned out to be everyone else. Uh, is it likely that every other facet of life is gauged by how we rank on the competitive scale and organized religion has somehow escaped the perils of this invisible it's enemy? Not no. a chance. Not a chance. But you'll hear people talk like that. Oh no, that's not how we. That's not how it's done. It's we're, not. We're just trying to help you, encourage you to improve your life. Encouragement and judging you competitively is two different things. Yeah, you guys remember. They're on the other end of the spectrum. You remember the Southern Baptist conferences or whatever that mm-hmm. they. I don't know what you call them, but remember the whole idea was to get as Associa- many people, associational meetings. Had as many people from your church as you could get to go there and then if you had the most people show up, you guys got a banner that you could hang in your church for. Do you remember that? Yeah. That I was remember. a huge, I, I think we, I think we took a few of those banners home. And, we did, but that was that competitive thing. Well, we have the most people showing, the most dedicated people. And so showing that up means that our, that means that our church is really more united, and we're more uh-huh. on the same. You know, really, doesn't it? Isn't yeah. that? I mean, what's expressed behind <clears throat> that? What's driving that? And of course, it's collective ego. We mm-hmm. know, but it's also the comp- comp- competition thing. The competition thing does it play off of ego? Of course. Yes. What about the? You know. Again, we're Southern Baptists, so I have to go with things, but things like Lottie Moon offering and things like that, where they post you in the, you know, magazine to let everybody know how much your church, which are the top three churches that gave and things like that. In your association, in your group. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Does the organized church uh, and its doctrines promote competition among its own? Oh, yeah. What are some examples? Well, what about, you know, there's a church in a neighboring town over here, and its big thing is not even necessarily the size of the church, but it's the echelon of the members. It's the, they have the local doctors, they have the president the of one of the of banks. The yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and and I mean, if if the church is not driven a little bit by competition and ego, then why in the front or right as you walk out the door, do you see the big how plaques many with how many yeah. your offerings and, mm-hmm. yeah. and the events that they're going to be holding? Uh-huh. And, you know, even my husband and I were talking about a church that he used to go to. And he's like, it always cracked me up because people didn't know it as the name of the church. He said people knew it as, oh, yeah, that's the one on the corner with the ATM and the coffee shop. Yeah. And he said that's how the church members would, yeah, we go to the church with the coffee shop over there. 
And he's like, I, like I, under, kind of I understand what, that there's one or two in our state that actually have a McDonald's inside the lobby. I can see that. That might be interesting. I I don't know if that's true, but they I do know they do have restaurant type things where sure. you can get come in and get which I, there's times well, I would I would have loved to yeah. utilize that. I'd, I've <laughs> been to a church before in hey, if it's gonna be world, just outside go of, all the way. Yeah. <laughs> just outside of St. Louis that had a full it was not a Starbucks, but it but was Starbucks style. It was well, a coffee was house. Was it a Baptist church? Um, Actually, it was. I think it was because I was invited to come up and look at that church because one of our neighbors up here, I'm not going to say his name, but I can tell you when we're off the air, but one of our neighbors up here is actually the treasurer and one of the big people in that church. Really? In Springfield, yeah. Okay. And, uh, that, and he does a lot of <clears throat> talking about how big it is and what uh, all they've got going on. But yeah, it was it was an interesting experience for sure. Do you think that we tend to portray God as a promoter of competition? In other words, don't we speak and act as though we're all jockeying for position? We're competing for God's approval and favor? Is this what he intended? Is to create humanity to compete for his attention? What kind of an image of him does that give us when we you think know, about that? We use phrases like, and when I say we, I mean collectively as an organized right, church, yeah. uses phrases like pray down the spirit and, you know, got to catch God's blessings, get God's blessings. And all of these things really imply that we have to basically jump up and down to get God's intention so he can watch us do a flip on the trampoline. I mean, Just that's what know. it reminds me daddy, of. Daddy, you daddy, know daddy, what? daddy, exactly. look here, daddy, hey, daddy. <laughs> this is something I've always struggled with. But, you know, when when you die, the church teaches that you go to heaven. Uh-huh. And then you get these Or maybe rewards. not. Or maybe not. But if you, if oh, you go to right. heaven, because you're in church, you're doing what you're right. supposed to be doing, yeah. so you're going to go to heaven. But you get these rewards. Yeah. And you get these jewels. These in your crowns. Crown. These Will crowns. Will there be any stars? And I'm just, I'm going, how is that not competition? Mm, and how is it going to be fair to look over there and see Bob with all 12 of his stars in his crown? What was, what and was that? I've only got one. Who was that? Who was that country artist that said, a rusty old halo and a skinny white? Oh, robe know. or uh, holy white robe or so is I don't oh, know. No. Anyway, let's, let's, that sounds let's, like something Blake would listen to. Uh, let's put it in terms we can relate to. What would we think of a father who pits all of his children against one another so they will compete for his approval? Would we label that father as a narcissist? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you? What effect do you think this practice might have on the children of that family? The kids would, I think, start hating each other first, but eventually. They're going to turn on their father. Well, and how many movies have you seen where this exact same thing happens? I mean, I can't say that I've witnessed it that I can remember, that I know about. I haven't witnessed it personally. But, you know, it. it I think to a degree I am watching that unfold with a friend of mine and her brother. He was very much the always, why can't you be more like him? Why can't mm-hmm. you do the things he does? Why can't you? And... To be honest with you, now they're both a mess. Well, competition breeds division. Sure. I mean, it does. And that's that's what you're going to do in your family or no matter church, where it's happening. Church, it's going to happen. Is. And that's why divorces happen over monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we perceive the Bible as promoting this kind of competitive behavior? Consider the Genesis story of Cain and Abel. Was this a story of sibling competition to win God's approval gone wrong? Sure yes. what it sounds like. 
What about the Jewish leaders with Jesus? They saw him as competition. That was the problem, yeah. is he was getting the attention the of the people. The whole world has gone after him. What shall we do? Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, well, you know, we could kill him. That'd get him out of the way. That'll stop the competition. And, I mean, we really don't even have to go into the whole David and Bathsheba. That was a whole, yeah. well, now I've got to kill him because mm-hmm. he's got this woman that I want. That was a competitive over a woman. Was this out-of-control competition on every human level what Jesus was speaking to when he said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first? Can we interpret that to say winners will be losers and losers are going to turn out winners? Or to break it down even farther, those who are perceived to be winners by the twisted perception of society will sadly find that their success does not carry over into the next life and the next dimension. And those who concentrate less on scoring high by society standards will carry over their success. Will carry over success into the next gen. It seems like that's what he's saying, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I can compare this to our family as friends with some folks who are very successful people <clears throat> as far as by material good world standard, mm-hmm. but by the competition standard, <laughs> they're pretty miserable people. I mean, as far as they don't have any real joy or enjoyment in anything that they do. And then I... Is it the couple that I know of that, that they said, that they, they told me, if it's the same couple I'm thinking of, they told me, said, well, that's we decided, we made a conscious decision, we're not going to have children, we're going we're to make money. Yes, yeah. that was it. We're devoting our life to making lots of money. And what's the point of all of that if you never get to enjoy it? And but they're good people. Great people. They're wonderful people. Yes. I have a... Well, actually, I have a stepson, and his his mother complains because he works a menial, you know, hour-to-hour job, him and his wife both, and when they're off work, they spend their extra time, well, like they posted a video a couple of nights ago of they were out in the front yard with their son, who's about six months old, and they were playing with lightsabers in their front yard. Oh. But they have the most fun, and they are happy, and they are content with their life. Mm-hmm. And what what does it matter if you're working pay- and living paycheck to paycheck, if you're happy with how things are? If you, as long as you can support the standard of living you require. Exactly. And if that's living in a tiny house. But you and, have to wonder, and I don't, I don't uh-uh. know the mom, but is it the mom's competitive drive that my son is just working this? Well, yeah, it's an ego. And I have it's, a friend's it's, yes. son who is a doctor a, yeah. or who's doing, you know. He's in college. He went to college and mm-hmm. got a degree and all of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see? It, it's so, <clears throat> I don't think we've ever really, I don't, I've never really read, I guess I should have researched this a little. Isn't psychologists, aren't they getting involved in, are they, they not see this? Are they not addressing this? Is, is psychiatric and psychology, are they not addressing this co- I don't know. competition I don't thing? hear a whole lot about competition yeah yeah because you just think about it i mean guys now listen there's people probably some of our listeners are going to get a little ruffled over there i know people right now if i brought it in that that competition in sports is bad they'd just jump on me with both feet yes you know was jesus speaking to this competitive attitude when he gave this uh when he gave the parable of the workers some worked all day some arrived at the job site just in time to be paid yet they all received the same and the ones who had labored all day were offended because they thought they deserved more pay even though they agreed for the amount that they were going to receive i think that this is the whole mentality of our society today it's 
and I know this is going to stray into the political, but it it's inequality issues too. I was born in the United States of America, and somehow that gives me the ability to say I deserve all of this, and you deserve nothing, even right, though yeah. them getting something doesn't take one thing away from Never. me away from the things that you get. But aren't we? <clears throat> I mean, we're like that. And we might say to ourselves, it's, it's kind of funny you would say that. Uh, I just watched a deal the other day, and it was just a documentary. It wasn't trying to get anybody to give anything. And it said we actually, as the United States, less than 4%. We contribute less than 4% to the hungry and stuff of other nations of the world. Yeah. You know, we act like you hear yeah. people, well, we support them. We take care of them. We we give them we give them everything. And that, no, we don't. No. We're as stingy as anybody can be. We want to tell ourselves that we are doing mm-hmm. all of these. And we are doing some wonderful things, I hope. But you know, there's other countries doing great things, too. Yes. There are. That we're benefiting from. Was Jesus speaking to this very issue of competition <laughs> when we read of his visit to Martha and Mary's house? Martha was so caught up in being measured as a good host that she even went to Jesus and said, Lord, make my sister come in here and help me in the kitchen. And help serve the guests. Mary, we are told, was sitting at the feet of Jesus being enlightened. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're stressing over many things that will be forgotten as soon as you do it. But Mary has chosen the thing that will last. And I think, yeah, I think that was definitely what he was getting at. And, you know, hosting is a really competitive thing. Well, sure. I mean, you want... The best, most memorable party and dinner and well, get together. And Martha felt like her reputation was on the line, I think. Yeah. In it's, a big way because this is the master. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wasn't the least bit interested about what was going to be for dinner. <laughs> if it was a bologna had, sandwich. He, he had no. I've, I've hosted a lot of things over the years. And I can tell you there's a difference in when... Like just the people here on the compound, as we call it, come to the house. And when we have, because when there are outsiders coming in, like extended family mm-hmm. and stuff, there's a lot more stress. And sure. And I guess because I do, I feel like I'm in competition. Is is Well, you're being judged going, on yes. some competitive scale. Yes. Right? The scale is a competitive mm-hmm. scale. Yeah. This is something. Back to the grading in school. Exactly. You're competing. You're competing against the best cook they know. Yeah. And this is something that was a real struggle because my husband, I am my husband's fifth wife. So there were four wives before me. And he finally. That would would mathematically make sense. It would, wouldn't it? (laughs) But, you know, we had been married about a year and a half and Steve sat me down and he's like. When you, now, let's clarify. When you had been married yes, about a when year. Because it sounded like you said we've been married yeah. about a no. year and a half. When no. we were married about, had been married about a year and a half at that point, he sat me down and he's like, you have got to stop trying to be in competition with my ex-wives. He's like, you won, honey. I mean, it's, it's you won. It's, it's over. He's like, but you, he's like, this trying to cook better and clean better and do better and... He's like, it's not a competition. Yeah. And it just, it was, it was a real struggle for me because you don't even realize that you're trying to compete with people that you've never even met. I hadn't thought about it, but that I is could true. See yeah, where, that's a very good, yeah. very good example. Yeah. Our non-expert opinion, are we ready for that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Has this discussion at all heightened your awareness of how much our lives are immersed in competitive behavior? And yes. might, might this be a significant contributor to our personal stress and anxiety? 
especially the time of year we're entering upon. Yes. Uh-huh. I believe that this is such an important topic that we may revisit it sometime in the future. And we'll hopefully have some pointers on how to begin to reduce the stress of our competitive lifestyles. But right now, I'm still just struggling to get out of that competitive mindset to step yes. back from it. Uh, for now, just becoming aware that it is a dominating force in all of our lives is a good place to start. Uh, we'd love to hear what some of our listeners have to say. Maybe some pointers or something that we can use about this topic. Y'all have any comments on that? I think you got it. I do. But as well, as always, until next time, may the unconditional grace, peace, and love of the divine source be on, in, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.